some fun and let's answer one of the big questions that was just posed to me right before the show. Are any of these powerful people going to go down? We're going to talk about that tonight. We have someone I've been wanting on my show for a long time. His name's Daryl Cooper. He's the host of the Martyr Made podcast, and it's really good. Really, How many times do I come on this show and tell you to go, oh, go listen to this podcast? I don't because most of them suck, but there are some really good storytellers out there. He's one of them. We're going to ask him about a bunch of things in about an hour and a half from now. We have parents in New Jersey getting understandably frustrated. Uh, People are now shooting up needles out in the open in New York with the consent of the city. We have GOP infighting, and Buck Gig has some really stupid thoughts on electric vehicles. Joe Biden forgot where he was. Just a standard day in America. All that and more tonight on the world-famous Jesse Kelly Show with me, the humble understated what Chris Jesse the Oracle Kelly but let's begin with the question Chris asked right before the show I told you I don't prepare we just kind of sit down and go Chris and Michael and I were sitting around and we were talking about the Gislaine Maxwell trial and for people unaware of who Gislaine Maxwell is she was Jeffrey Epstein's apparent right-hand woman now Epstein who is Epstein Billionaire, uh, apparently billionaire scumbag. He had an island, and I look, I, it's in the Virgin Islands. And I, I'm going, Chris, it's called the Virgin Islands. Chris, will you please focus here while I'm trying to tell the story, please? Anyway, he had an island. Uh, there are a lot of allegations out there about things that went on. And I don't mean a couple rumors behind the scenes. I mean a lot of allegations about things that went on, not just at this island, but all over the world. I know you're going to find this shocking, but I'm not a billionaire. I do, however, know a couple billionaires, or at least very, very, very wealthy guys. And I don't mean best friends. Trust me, I'm not hitching a ride on somebody's golf stream, but I do know a couple very, very wealthy guys and have had the chance to hang out with a couple very wealthy guys. I prefer my friends in low places a little more, but it is what it is. And one thing you do learn about really, really rich people like this is how much different their lives are than our lives. They just live a different life. And I'm, that's not me bad-mouthing them at all. And I'm, I'm going to explain what's, what's coming here. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Just hang with me for a second. Tonight, let's say tonight you were in the mood for a steak. Now, maybe you're in a financial place in your life where you can just go get a steak without a second thought. Maybe you would have to sit down and be like, well, what can we afford uh, to go out for dinner? No, that might cost too much. Let's go down to the grocery store. I heard they uh, have T-bones for sale, something like that. You would make that kind of decision. Super, super wealthy people don't think in that way. These guys don't think in that way. You see, they have access to anything they want, anytime they want. And I will be frank with you, it is very, very, very hard. From what I've seen from these guys, it's very, very, very hard to remain in reality when you have access to anything you want, anytime you want. Like uh, today, today, I got hungry. I oftentimes do not make great 
food decisions. And I decided, I want fast food. I want a fast food cheeseburger and fries. And I drove down to McDonald's, and I got a double quarter pounder with cheese meal. I know, Chris, it was the only thing close. Okay, there's nothing wrong with a quarter pounder with cheese. Anyway, I drive down to McDonald's. I get a double quarter pounder with cheese meal, and I go home and just ate all that fat and disgustingness. A billionaire, a super wealthy person, makes those kinds of decisions, only he flies to his favorite restaurant in Paris. And on the way, he has a private chef along. Now, that's the sunny side of that. That's actually the good side of that life. It's not good. Don't get me wrong. It's really unhealthy for your soul and your mind to be able to have whatever you want whenever you want it. But there's another part of human nature. And I'm, getting, I'm going somewhere with this. There's another part of human nature. Humans get bored. Men especially. I know this happens to women too, but men get bored. If I, I'll obsess on food. I know you're going to find that shocking. I will obsess on food. And if I find a new restaurant, I've got a new restaurant locally. In fact, I just found it. The wife is already yelling because I want to go there every weekend. I'm not going to give out the name of it. I don't want to blow the place up already. But they have this, these great fried oysters. It's just, I found something. It's delicious. I want to go every weekend. I will go every weekend that I have a chance to go. And in a month, I'll hate the place and I'll never be back. It's just how I am. It's not a healthy place to be. You don't want to be that way. I'm that way with music. I'll, I'll get a new song, and I'll listen to it on repeat 10 times. Oh, that song sucks. I'm sick of it. I never listen again. Like, again, you don't want to be like me. I'm just explaining. This is, this is the way many men are. This, uh, I'm going to keep this family friendly. It's difficult with the Epstein stuff, but this also applies to the more <coughs> uh, R-rated parts of life. When it comes to men, especially very, very wealthy men. And this is hard for people to understand who've never been around these guys. But the truth is somebody like a billionaire, pick your billionaire. It doesn't matter who they are. A billionaire has access to not any woman he wants, but probably I mean, there are obvious exceptions. I don't write me ladies. He could never have me. I understand. I understand that, but just understand there's not some desire he's going to have that he can't fulfill immediately. It, it's, it's available to him at all times. The reason women, and very sadly, I mean, it's not that women aren't sad too, but the reason that women and children have been abused like this by very wealthy, powerful men throughout history. This is not unique to Jeffrey Epstein. It's not unique to America, Hollywood. This is the history of the world. The reason they've been abused by wealthy, powerful people throughout history is they can be. You ever hear the story of Gil DeRay? He's called the most evil man who ever lived. It's, it's, it's got a French spelling to it, and I don't know the spelling, so it's not sitting in front of me. I'm doing this off the top of my head. But that's a great example. Gil DeRay was this wealthy, I believe, French nobleman, had more money than you can possibly count, and he ended up being a serial killer. He just could have whatever he wanted. He could take any one of the peasants he wanted and do whatever he wanted to them, and really nothing would happen to him. Billionaires today abuse people for the exact same reason. Not only can they have virtually whatever they want at any time, they aren't subject to the same rules you are. They're not subject to the same rules I am. 
And that creates an extremely dangerous and extremely unhealthy environment. Wealthy people don't go down. And it's not only because of their wealth. It's because of their connections. When you go through life, you build up favors. You just inevitably do. Unless you're one of these people who's mean to everyone, you build up favors. Whatever your industry, if you're a construction worker, I know we have a bunch of construction guys listening to the show. If you've been in construction for 10 years, you have relationships with various people. This applies to every field. Whether you're a lawyer, whether no matter what your field is, you have relationships you've built up over time, favors you've built up over time. When you're a billionaire, the people you associate with are other wealthy, powerful people. You're, you're at a party this weekend. Who are you going to be at a party with? I'll probably be at a get-together this weekend. You know who I'll be with? My neighbor. He's a manager at a car dealership. My other buddy, he runs his little construction company. We're going to have a couple Bud Heavies and eat cheeseburgers. You know who billionaires are going to be with this weekend while I'm having Bud Heavies and, drink, and eating cheeseburgers? Billionaires are going to be with judges. They're going to be with politicians. They're going to be with other billionaires. They're going to be with world leaders. You go to parties with the local accountant. They go to parties with a prime minister or two. So where am I going? What what, what am I talking about here? Ghislaine Maxwell's on trial right now. Everyone knows Jeffrey Epstein, air fingers, quote, killed himself. No one actually believes that, but everyone knows he killed himself. Now she's on trial because he's no longer alive to stand trial. And Chris and Michael and I have had a lot of people email in, Jesse, what's going to happen? What's going to be the fallout? I've heard this person's been named. I heard they named Bill Clinton. They named Donald Trump. What, Jesse, what's going to happen? I don't like to be King Cynic. I don't like to bring everyone down. But you know what's going to happen? Nothing. Because the history of the world tells me nothing will happen. You think... Some lady is going to drop a dime on the wealthiest, most powerful people on the planet, and they're actually going to be held accountable for it. Were you born yesterday? Let's all grow up here. Chris, go ahead and jot this one down. You know what the fallout of this whole thing is going to be for the wealthy, powerful people? Nothing. Oh, granted, Ghislaine Maxwell may end up in prison, and boy, she better have a food taster once she gets there. But the powerful people ain't going down for this. All right, enough of that. Let's get into kids. Parents are very concerned. We have a New, New Jersey parents very concerned about their kids. Let's talk about that. But first, you hear what the Fed chairman said? You hear what Powell said? Powell got up on camera, and he's already said, this new variant of coronavirus, it means, it means inflation's not going to get under control. We will, Look, we wanted to get it under control, but it's, it's going to keep going up. Every time they make a public statement about inflation, they're telling you it's going to keep going up. Please call Oxford Gold Group and get some gold. Get it delivered to your home. Don't get a piece of paper saying, oh, you've got gold somewhere, I promise. Oxford Gold Group will deliver real gold to your front door. I don't want you to do anything outrageous, nothing that hurts your family. I want you to have some kind of financial protection, some kind of backstop against your dollar becoming worth nothing. Call 833-995-GOLD and tell Oxford Jesse told you to call. They will mail you something politicians can't destroy the value of. 833-995-GOLD, Oxford Gold Group. Tell them Jesse told you to call. It is the 
Jesse Kelly show, and it's going to be a good, good night. Chris, did you see this NS Cantor guy? Okay, so for those who don't know, Cantor is an NBA player, and he's originally from Turkey. He was a Turkish citizen. And Turkey is an extremely oppressive regime. Now, I don't expect you to care about Turkey. Just hang with me for a second. Everyone knows Turkey sucks after Thanksgiving. Quit, Chris. I had to make a joke. I had to make a joke. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. But Cantor actually has some guts. Remember, when you oppose when you oppose an evil regime, it's a small world out there. The evil regimes have guys who are more than happy to kill on their behalf. Even for a famous NBA player, you're taking chances with your life if you speak out publicly against the regime. Don't believe me? Remember those two Korean assassins who assassinated one of Kim Jong-il's relatives in an airport? Oh, that's, that's real. That stuff happens. So it takes guts to step up. Well, this guy's been an outspoken advocate of freedom and whatnot. And now he just became an American citizen. And he has changed his last name to Inez Cantor Freedom. How cool is that? And I, I want to play you... I want to play you the audio of him. I know it's a little unusual. It's not the kind of thing I usually do on the show. But I think it's important now and then. I think it's important for you and me, for us to count our blessings. We don't count our blessings enough. And as Americans, and, and even if you've seen the ugly side of life and seen other parts of the world, it's still easy to get trapped in, in this bubble as an American and not realize what freedom actually means. I mean, I don't know about you. It's all I've ever known. I was born here. That's not how other people live their lives. That's not how people around the world live. And those who've lived under horrible, oppressive regimes, those who know, they have a better appreciation for America than a lot of us. You know, I feel like I'm going to just say this, and I'm going to be honest. People should feel really blessed and lucky to be in, this, be in, be in America because, you know, they love to criticize it. But when you live a country like Turkey or, or, you know, China or somewhere else, you will appreciate the freedoms you have here. Yes. You know, that is exactly so I feel like they should just please, they, they, they should just keep their mouth shut and stop criticizing the greatest uh, nation in the world. And they should focus on, you know, the, their freedoms and their human rights and their uh, democracy. So this is America. Give me everything I have. So I, I definitely appreciate uh, the United States of America. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and you know what? You know, I, as you know, I'm not a human being that has what they call feelings or emotions. I'm a sociopath. I know this. I, there's nothing I can do about it. It's just who I am now. But there are things that get to me. And there are two things. There are two kinds of emails I get that get to me. Remember, the email address is jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Love, hate, death threats. Everything is welcome. They all go right to Chris, and I read everything. Everything you send in, I read. I won't respond. I get too many, but I get I, I read them all. And they're all good. I do, I do enjoy them. I read them all. But there are two that really get to me. One, I get emails from people with kids. Sometimes I get emails from the kids, but I get emails from people with kids, and they talk about how much they love listening to the show, or hey, I listen with my dad or stuff like that. Man, that is... That's so cool to me. So I don't know why I think that's really cool, but it's really cool. The other one is I get emails from people all the time who have lived in Cuba, who have lived in Venezuela, who have lived in various oppressive places. 
and they talk about how great America is and how important freedom is. And you can tell they're scared. They're really, really, really scared. They're scared that they see it happening here. And it is happening here. I mean, did listen, we can all make fun of Jim Cramer. And I'm going to play this a bunch during the show, a bunch during the show. But you have to understand this way of thinking is not outside of the mainstream now. Lord knows what happened if you didn't partake. But back then, anyone who refused to get vaccinated would get ratted out immediately because we knew that person could hurt other people. The commonweal was a, a commonweal. Now we're engaged in a similar struggle with COVID and Eisenhower would be aghast. We have immunocompromised people who are incubators for every variant to come walking around lawfully unvaccinated. That's psychotic. We have companies that have tried hard to get people vaccinated and now backing down. We have governors who want to be president by grandstanding on a foolish state's right issue, the right to get sick and get other people sick. So it's time to admit that we have to go to war against COVID. Require vaccination universally. Have the military run it. If you don't want to get vaccinated, you better be ready to prove your conscientious objector status in court. And even then, you need to help in the war effort by staying home until we finally beat this thing. You could sit there and yell and scream like I did first time I saw it. I thought to myself, who is this nut job? That is not an uncommon way of thinking. It is not. It's crazy. Let's get to a couple emails here. Remember, I'll take some phone calls tonight, 877-377-4373. As the food whisperer, I'm shocked you let your buddy Raheem off so easy with his disrespect of jalapeno poppers. He's talking about my buddy Raheem Kassam. He was on the show last night. It was a good time, and man, he is sharp. I'd never say that while he's on the air, Chris. I can't let him know that, but he is sharp. Uh, It's on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. You can go download the podcast. I'm not sure you are aware these poppers are the pinnacle of bacon-wrapped beauty emerging from the smoker to crowds of mouth-watering fans everywhere. Do not let his accent cow you into silence. Stand up for the greatness of American food mastery. You know, I'll be honest about something. I've lived everywhere. People know. Uh, Everywhere in the country. We just bounced around a lot. And since I've been an adult, everyone knows all the crazy adventures I have thrown myself and my poor family into. I've just gotten around a lot. And one thing I do learn is the different cuisines that are really kind of, I don't want to say completely foreign to other areas, But some are really common and some and really rare in others. And what am I talking about? The jalapeno is one of the big ones here in Texas. Jalapenos, because there's such a Mexican culture here, Mexico and Texas, you know, they swap spit forever and and spears and things like that forever. It's such a Mexican culture here. There's just a ton of spice, a ton of peppers. Jalapenos are in everything. I don't remember the last time I've had a Philly cheesesteak without jalapenos in it here. Other parts of the country are not that way. And I'm not naive. I don't think there's someone in New York listening right now saying, a jalapeno, what's that? I've never heard of it. I understand they're everywhere. I'm not naive. But especially people up north, they don't realize the glory of the jalapeno. All right, now my mouth's starting to water. Hang on. Say, hey, Diane, let's run off Dribble off those Bobby Brooks. The Jesse Kelly Show, Chris. I'm going to pretend like you didn't just ask me that. Chris just, Chris just asked me, wasn't Don Henley part of the Eagles? What's wrong with you, Chris? Yes, idiot. Gosh, that's a good song you just played there, too. That's a good song. Back to the story, Chris. Get, don't let me lose focus tonight. 
I can tell. See this? I need to explain to everybody before I go into this guy, <laughs> this New York guy, who's gonna dodge bail three times in two and a half days. Uh, and before I go into Jim Cramer and why he's an absolute lunatic, apparently, I should probably give everyone a forewarning about tonight's show. I have days like this. Sometimes I get a really, really good night's sleep. And again, as you know, I have impulse control problems. So when I get a really good night's sleep, oftentimes I'll wake up the next day and I'll go work out and then I'll get some food and then I'll, and I'll just be so full. I'll be so full of energy all day and I don't want it to stop. And I'll say to myself, instead of just enjoying the experience of, wow, nice, woo, got all kinds of energy today. Instead, I'm like, what if I could have even more? So then I start drinking coffee. And then I start drinking more coffee. And soon I get to a place like I am right now where my palms are actually sweating. So I've had way too much at this point in time. So I may bounce around a little bit tonight. We may just tell stories all night, Chris. I may just tell stories. All right. Before we get to that, let's talk about, um, well, Jim Cramer, who is apparently a nut job. And let's talk about rhetoric. We've, we've, we've brought this up before. We especially brought it up in the wake of the Waukesha terrorist attack where the black nationalist, the Black Lives Matter guy, got in an SUV and mowed down 60 white people in a Wisconsin parade. And we talked about rhetoric. And we talked about, remember, I came on the air that night and I said, obviously, I don't hold back, but there are some things I, I feel I have a responsibility not to say. You know the company, they let me say whatever I want, obviously. But there are some things I feel I have a responsibility not to say. You remember when Maxine Waters talked about getting in Congress people's faces? You remember when she said that? Because she's a hideous hag. I could say that. I'm not allowed to encourage anybody to break the law. But I could come on the air right now and I could say that. I could say, uh, hey, you know what you need to do to your local Democrat congressman? You need to go down there and get in his face. I could say that right now, but I don't say that. Why? Why? Why wouldn't I say that? I mean, surely, Jesse, most people listening right now will be totally fine with it. They'll be totally fine with it. Most people would, yes. But what about that one guy? Listen to this. Listen to this supercut again of the Democrat call for violence. Now, I want you to understand something. Imagine the scenario I just played out for you. Go get in someone's face. There'd be one guy listening to the sound of my voice right now. Maybe maybe he's not doing well mentally. Maybe he's no one, not doing well mentally and he's got a drug and or alcohol problem. Maybe he's already a violent person, had a rough upbringing. We have a bunch of people, and we love this. I, the, the, honestly, I take pride in this. I think it's wonderful. We have a bunch of people in various penitentiaries around the country listen to the show. I'm honored by that. I think that's awesome. Because I'm all about redemption. But what if there's someone out there, violent, maybe on drugs, maybe alcohol, and he hears me come on here and say, go get in someone's face, and he goes down there and hurts somebody? I share some responsibility for that. I do. Rhetoric does matter. Rhetoric matters a lot. Every single regime, especially the corrupt ones throughout history, have understood what people hear and what people see is going to affect their behavior. Listen to this crap. I want to be clear in how I characterize it. This is a, mostly a protest. Uh, it is not, uh, It is not, generally speaking, unruly. 
That ain't a riot, what we're seeing right now in Minneapolis. They are strictly principled anti-fascists, and they've taken a principled stand to stand against white supremacists and white nationalists wherever they may show up. I argue to you tonight, all punches are not equal morally. It says it right in the name, Antifa, anti-fascism, which is what they were there um, fighting. Listen, there's... You know, no organization is perfect. There was some violence. Any reasonable person would say we shouldn't be destroying other people's property. But these are not reasonable times. Thank goodness for the looters, man. And please show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite. And peaceful. I don't care that much about statutes. Respectfully, shouldn't that be done by a commission or the city council, not a mob in the middle of the night throwing it into the harbor? People will do what they do. You're seeing behind me is one of multiple locations that have been burning in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Do not get it twisted and think that oh, this is some something that has not never happened before, and then this is so terrible, and where are we, and these savages, and all of that. This is how this country was started. People get mad. And people get sick of it. People are risking COVID to explain to this country that we're fed up. Most of the major movements in American history have started at the grassroots level and at some point have turned into direct conflict with American government. So remember your history before you judge your present. Thuggishness is thuggishness wherever it comes from politically, and we should be the first to call it out. I disagree. That rhetoric mattered a lot. Rhetoric matters. The coronavirus vaccine rhetoric has gotten so far out of hand in this country. We now have lunatics like Jim Cramer going on television on a nationally televised show and saying things like this. Lord knows what happened if you didn't partake. But back then, anyone who refused to get vaccinated would get ratted out immediately because we knew that person could hurt other people. The commonweal was a, a commonweal. Now we're engaged in a similar struggle with COVID and Eisenhower would be aghast. We have immunocompromised people who are incubators for every variant to come walking around lawfully unvaccinated. That's psychotic. We have companies that have tried hard to get people vaccinated now backing down. We have governors who want to be president by grandstanding on a foolish state's right issue, the right to get sick and get other people sick. So it's time to admit that we have to go to war against COVID. Require vaccination universally. Have the military run it. If you don't want to get vaccinated, you better be ready to prove your conscientious objector status in court. And even then, you need to help in the war effort by staying home until we finally beat this thing. I'm sorry? Enforced by the U.S. military? How broken have we made people? And what are the people watching that guy's program, what are they now thinking? The rhetoric in this country has gotten so irresponsible and so over the top. This is why so many people have died in recent years due to political violence. I know they don't run media stories on them because 99.9% of those people were killed by left-wing protesters. But this kind of insanity is the reason why. Who is this nut job? Jim Cramer, it's not like I was some super fan. He was at least a sane individual, relatively sane, up to about 15 minutes ago. He's now claiming we should have the United States military come kick in your door and force vaccination or haul you off? 
this has gotten way, way, way beyond standard politics, and this has gotten to the point where that's flat-out wrong and irresponsible. That is the equivalent of me coming on here tonight and saying, go down to your Democrat congressman's office and get in his face. All it would take would be one guy, one guy who's in a bad spot in his life, who's maybe a nut job, maybe violent, whatever the case may be, it would take one guy, and then he gets someone killed. This coronavirus insanity, it's got to stop. This kind of over-the-top rhetoric has got to stop. Whatever you think about vaccines, anti-vaccines, I don't care. This whole, we're going to force you to do it for the good of the public thing. Do people not hear themselves and what they've become? All right. All right, I'm finally going to get to the guy dodging bail. It's not funny, but what else can I do but laugh about this New York guy? But first... You want to make sure your kids don't turn out like some communist nut job calling for the imprisonment of his enemies? You want to make sure your kids understand freedom, understand what, what is the role of government? Could your child right now, be honest, could they describe what the proper role of government should be? I'll be frank with you. I don't know if mine could, but that's why we're reading the Tuttle Twins books. Doesn't matter the age of your kids either from toddler to teenager and everything in between. They have entertaining books your kids will enjoy and you will enjoy that teach your kids the values you want for them. Don't plant them in front of YouTube again for an hour. Sit down with a Tuttle Twins book and may I suggest reading it with your kids. Equip them and they won't stray. Go to TuttleTwinsJesse.com and that gets you 35% off. TuttleTwinsJesse.com. Go now. Truth. Attitude. Jesse Kelly. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and I said I was going to get into this New York bail story, and I I will in just, just a brief second, but... We have breaking news. Chris, did you know I'm now a journalist? What? I'm sorry for breaking news to America. <laughs> well, I'm a journalist now, and look, it's me, Journalist Jesse, and you should know Chris Cuomo has been suspended indefinitely by CNN. Obviously, this is the right call to suspend him. However, if you give me about 30 seconds to talk about this bail story, I'm actually going to make every single person very angry with me, as I've done before with stories like this, and I'm going to defend Chris Cuomo. Give me a second. Give me a second, though. All right, the New York bail story I've been talking about, some guy gets sprung for three different charges in 36 hours. I want to make sure every single person hearing the sound of my voice understands this. The criminals, violent criminals being released on the streets of America, driving up the violent crime to levels we haven't seen before in decades in this country is not an accident. It's not an accident. And it's not even a whoopsie. That's a weird side effect of some policy they're trying Violent criminals going back on the streets committing more acts of violence is the point. It's what they're trying to do. It's what the communists are trying to do. And I don't know why 
I don't know why I get people, uh, like fellow pundits of mine on the right, will try to argue with me on this. Oh, that's that's not the reason. It's all written down. Vladimir Lenin and people like him, this is what's wild. Mao, Lenin, all these guys, they were so in love with themselves. I mean, way worse than me. They were so in love with themselves, they wrote everything down. And they weren't in an era where they felt like they had to cover things up or be more PC. What they were thinking, what they were doing, what they wanted, they wrote it down. Lenin talked about it endlessly. He knew. He knew that a happy, content person who believes they live in a safe society. They're never going to pick communism. Communism sucks. They understood you must create chaos and misery. You must create this feeling where you're unsettled, where society isn't just and you're unsettled. How can they do that? Well, one of the easiest ways to do that is just turn all the violent guys loose. Lenin threw up in the jails, too. Oh, murderers, have a good one. He didn't do that and think, I'm just being more fair. They deserve a second chance. Oh, whoops, he stabbed someone in the neck. He did that knowing they're going to go out and commit more acts of violence. Why did George Soros and other left-wing billionaires suddenly start getting involved in district attorney races? I mean, don't they have bigger fish to fry? They're getting a DA elected in Los Angeles. It doesn't make any sense. It makes perfect sense when you understand these people have the goal to bring the United States of America to its knees so then they can rebuild it into some horrific communist hellhole where they're in charge. Remember, that's the important point at the end. They're all going to be the ones in charge. It's not complicated. And the thing is, that's hard for people to accept. Because, geez, that sounds nefarious. It sounds like, Jesse, it sounds like we have we have a real enemy out there. We have to fight tooth and nail against. Yeah, we do. We do. The, the reason I get so passionate about anti-communism, I understand what's at stake. 877-377-4373. I forgot to give out the number. You're welcome to call in tonight. I understand what's at stake. And what is at stake? Well, Death and misery and poverty. That's what's at stake. Have you seen what's happened to other nations around the world that have gone the socialism, communism route? I know it's overused today, but I mean, let's pause for just a second and talk about Venezuela. Venezuela, people do understand, Venezuela sits on the largest oil reserve in the world. They have more oil under Venezuela than Saudi Arabia. They sit on the largest oil reserve in the world. And I don't care how much the climate change nutters talk about it. Oil, it's what the world runs on. It is liquid gold. I realize that's an old Beverly Hillbillies line, but it is true. It is liquid gold. Venezuela is sitting on a gigantic pot of gold, the biggest pot of gold in the world. Yet because of communism, there are, I'm not even going to put the picture. I was going to ask Chris to put it on the show's Twitter account, but I'm not going to do it because it's too gruesome. I don't like it. There's a picture of a mother carrying her daughter in her 20s to the hospital trying to save her life in Venezuela. And this daughter in her mother's arms, it looks like a skeleton with hair on it. 
That's what's at stake. And if that sounds like I'm trying to scare you, it's because I'm trying to scare you. That's what the stakes of the game are if we lose to these people. That is what they want for you. It's what they want for me. It's what they absolutely will bring to this country if they are allowed to bring it to this country. That's why I'm so passionate about anti-communism. And that's why I, that's why I point this stuff out all the time. Violent criminals, you saw it at just, I forget the name of the island, again in the New York area. Violent criminal got sprung from uh, prison, got sprung from jail with this whole cashless bail insanity stuff. I think it was two or three weeks ago. You know what he did? He promptly went out and hid next to a jogging track, and a 57-year-old woman went running by. And this monster pounced on her and assaulted her in ways that I will not elaborate because it is a family show. 57 years old. I don't know her personal story, but that's, that's somebody's grandma, man. Somebody's grandma? Somebody, that's, that's somebody's grandma. You should be showing up to shovel her driveway while she makes you, oh, let me make you my, my famous noodles I love. Grandmas are precious. That one got ravaged by an animal at the age of 57 because of what these DAs and what these judges are doing in places like New York and L.A. across the United States of America. Communism is evil. You fight against it like you're fighting for your life because you are. I'll talk about Chris Cuomo next. Jesse Kelly show. Don't forget. We got Daryl Cooper coming up 25 minutes from now. Host of the martyr made podcast. One of the more interesting guys I've talked to in a while. Just has something different to say all the time. So I'll be anxious to talk to him about some things. But first remember I'm now a journalist because I break stories. Chris, No, there's a breaking story out now that Chris Cuomo has been suspended indefinitely from CNN. So let's just go ahead and have a long chat. First, we're going to talk about what happened and why it happened. And then I'm going to make every single person mad at me. You can call and yell at me, 877-377-4373. I'm going to defend Chris Cuomo. But first, let's talk about what happened. Andrew Cuomo went down. His brother, Andrew Cuomo, he went down. Let's pause right there for a minute. Why did Andrew Cuomo go down? Because this is what I see on the right. I see this a lot. Maybe you're guilty of it. I see a lot of people on the right acting as if Andrew Cuomo went down because there was enough outrage about him murdering 15,000 New York seniors at least with his insane coronavirus policy that put infected people in nursing homes. That's where the vulnerable people are. And there's this, there's this almost this way of thinking on the right. Woo-hoo, we got Cuomo. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. The right has in the past lacked the spine to do such things. Now, that better change in the future. But in the past and currently, the right doesn't have the spine to take down a political opponent. Oh, they'll complain. But they're never going to run a hatchet job on someone the way they did Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo, you know why he's no longer governor? 
The Democrats wanted him out of the governor's mansion because they're about to have a big governor's race there. And Hochul and New York Attorney General Letitia James are getting ready to get in a big war over trying to get to be governor. And Cuomo was in the way. Therefore, they cooked up some, well, I don't know if they cooked him up. They could be real or not. I don't know. I wasn't there. But they got him on a bunch of sexual harassment stuff, which I can totally see because Cuomo comes off like one of those guys who's got to grab everything with a pulse. But anyway, so they get a bunch of sexual assault stuff on Cuomo, and boom, he's gone. And the right has somehow convinced themselves that we took him down because of COVID. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. But we should. That's how we should operate. You see, Democrats, without hesitation, will play politics like it's a blood sport, and they'll pull out knives and slip them into your ribs, and soon you find yourself going from governor of one of the most powerful states to sitting on a boat fishing somewhere. That's how Democrats handle their business. What's the GOP do? I think we should... Should we make Lauren Boebert apologize? I mean, what if what if Ilhan Omar's, Omar's offended... That's how our pathetic side operates. So let's be real clear about why Andrew Cuomo's gone. That's why Andrew Cuomo's gone. That's one. Two. Chris Cuomo, what did he do? He used his job as a host of CNN to go after at least one of Andrew Cuomo's accusers. That's what he that's what he did. Used his job to try to go after one of the accusers. Now, this is the part where I'm going to make everybody mad, and that's fine. Again, you're welcome to call and scream at me. I, I, I realize the, the, the position I'm about to take will not be popular. Uh, I'm not even saying it's right, actually, not morally. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm telling you how I view life. Chris Cuomo is a piece of trash, and so is Andrew Cuomo, and I'm glad they're both out of a job. Let me be real clear on that. I'm glad they're both fired. It gives me joy to know that scumbags are out of a job. That said. I would do a lot of things for my sister, including illegal things, without hesitation. I understand that makes people mad. Again, I want to reiterate, I'm not saying I'm right, but that's your brother. I'm not. I mean, look, I can understand the whole family's scum and say he deserves he's fi- to get fired for what he did while also saying, oh, I get it. That's his brother. His brother was in trouble. He jumped in to try to help out his brother. Look, my boy's been taught these lessons since they were young. If both of you are there, one of you better not come home with a black eye. It better be both of you. That's your brother. I, t- I tell my sons, and I know this is probably a little direct, but remember, I'm a monster. I tell my sons when I'm lecturing them, never tattle. You know, you don't ever knock on your brother. I tell them, you understand, I'm 40. You're both like 10. I'll be dead for a long time, and you'll still be alive with your brother. Your brother is your everything. You even protect your brother from me. I tell my sons that, and I mean it. I get it. I get why Cuomo did what he did. I I ain't even mad at it. Plus, let's remember the family we're dealing with here. All right, that's the part that'll make you mad. Let's do remember the family we're dealing with here. Andrew Cuomo's dad was also governor of New York. Are you aware of exactly what you have to do to become governor of New York? It is not Nebraska. And I'm not under the impression Nebraska. There's no clean places, all right? But New York is a different kind of cat. 
is a different kind of cat anyway. Andrew Cuomo's dad was governor, and he had <clears throat> some really shady ties. Remember they asked Andrew Cuomo's dad about the mafia, and he denied it existed? Ooh, buddy, kind of giving away the farm there. <laughs> so that's how this family grew up. That's how they grew up. Take out your opponents, so on and so forth. They got... What, that, what happened was they got a target painted on their back by the New York Democratic Party, and now they're both gone. But again, don't kid yourself. We didn't take out the Cuomo family. There's not a single person on the right, nobody, responsible for taking out the Cuomo family. Because the right doesn't do that. We're better than that. The Democrats, however, they see an opponent, and they'll make sure you're not here anymore. The Democrats took out the Cuomo family. Now, on to the good news in all this. The very, very, very good news. I, you know, I don't generally, don't generally blast other hosts. It's just in in general, it comes in in bad form. I certainly don't blast people on the right. I think that's so overdone and lame when people do that on radio and TV. Getting these stupid, petty arguments. Oh, I'm better than this show or I'm better than that show. Gosh, that's pathetic. Grow up. Grow up. You you do radio or TV for a living, buddy. You really don't have an important job. You don't have to to do the whole knives are out thing. I do enjoy making fun of CNN because I actually do believe they are an enemy of the United States of America. In fact, I believe there's plenty of justification out there to to call them a national security threat. And no, I'm not exaggerating. They are. They are. They've burned. I remember when CNN burned down Ferguson, Missouri over a hands up, don't shoot lie. And not a single person apologized for that. I remember when CNN stood in front of burnt down buildings after the St. George Floyd killing. And they th- there was a building on fire behind them. And the little display on the screen said, fiery, but mostly peaceful protests. CNN is hostile to the United States of America and should be treated as a hostile insurgency. I, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. That's what I believe. And Don Lemon. I know you don't watch Don Lemon's show. And I, the reason I know this is simply a law of averages. I see the ratings and there's virtually zero chance anyone watches Don Lemon's show. However, Chris Cuomo's show... It came on right before Don Lemon's show. Now, let me explain to you how TV works, because I do a TV show. Remember, we're talking about Joe Biden and COVID tonight. All that. My TV show is on 9 p.m. Eastern time on the first TV. You got to go to the first TV. It's just on an app. You can download it. Watch my TV show every night. But in TV, here's how it works. Your show, you put the most important stuff in the beginning and things get progressively less important throughout the show. Radio is different because my radio show is three hours long. The average listener listens for 15, 30 minutes. I mean, there because this is a podcast, there are some people who have it on for all three hours while they're doing the dishes, whatever the case may be. But that's about average, 15, 30 minutes. So every single segment in radio has to be important, has to be you know somewhat entertaining or interesting or whatever. I don't know why you listen, but it has to be, it has to be that. TV is not that way. In TV, you make your most important thing the first thing, and then the second most important thing the second thing, so on and so forth. You understand that? And they do it in blocks. They call it, the first block is obviously called A block, and you're not going to believe this, Chris. Second block is called B block. Do you think you can figure out what third block is, Chris? You're right, three block. That's right. No, no, but it's C block. I know you've never watched, but Don Lemon's show every single night, 
Don Lemon had Chris Cuomo stay over after his show, which was on previously, and do his A block with him. Do you have any idea in the TV world how embarrassing that is? That's basically management saying, ah, yeah, ooh, A block is really important. Don, would you, do you mind? We're, we're going to have Chris step in and do this with you every night. He's going to hold your hand, Don. <laughs> Poor Don's out there now and daddy's gone. That's greatness. All right, that's enough making fun of CNN. That's enough TV talk. Uh, I want to talk about robots. Uh, apparently we have living robots that can reproduce. I'm not even talking about Kamala Harris. We'll talk about that in just a second. But first, are you still giving your money to Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile or one of these other crazy companies? You understand the things they say, the things. Have you seen their advertising campaigns? You know you never have that filth with pure talk and yet you get the exact same coverage because they're on the same 5G network as one of the other ones. So same coverage. You get a patriotic company. Their CEO is a Vietnam veteran of all things. And you, the average family saves over $800 a year. Right now, they have a 30-day risk-free guarantee. There's nothing to lose, and they make it totally cake. Did I mention all the customer service is based in America? You get to talk to an American? Dial pound 250 from your cell phone and say Jesse Kelly. You'll save 50% off your first month. That's pound 250 and say Jesse Kelly. Go switch to Pure Talk today. He doesn't care if you believe him, but he's right. Jesse Kelly. It's good to see you. Good to see you, brother. I know you had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you did. I missed you. I am grateful for your friendship and your love. I think that you are fantastic. One of the kindest people I know on this planet. There you go. I'm in everywhere. Well, I am thankful for you in my life. It was great to see you having a good time. (laughs) Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo. Gosh, what a couple of losers. Au revoir, Chris Cuomo. (laughs) Until next time. (laughs) Let's get to some emails. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com or you can call 877-377-4373. Why don't you run for president of the United States? I think you would be a great president. Please don't mention my name if you say this on the radio. Um, One, I obviously would be a great president. But, Chris, I would be. I've, there'd be some demands on the White House chef staff, but I'd be an I'd be an outstanding president. One, two. I could never get elected in this country. There's not not in a million years would this country elect me. Half of this country, half, went running home and enthusiastically went running home when the government said, "Go home. Your business isn't essential." I remember sitting back. It was was the second most revealing moment of my entire life. I remember sitting back, jaw agape, just my jaw hanging on the floor watching it. What, Chris? What was the first most revealing moment? I'll tell you you that in a second. But I remember sitting back watching the land of the free just pack it up and say, well, I mean, there is a virus. They know who's essential. Gosh, I could never get elected in a place like this in a million years, ever. By the way, it should be noted, my most revealing moment, like you have these moments in your life where things dawn on you. 
and you're like, oh man, I uh, I I was I was possibly really naive before, and I'm glad I grew up. Let me tell you a little story. We were in the Marines. And remember, I was not a Marine before 9-11. I wasn't one of those studs who went down, down to the recruiting office the day after 9-11. I was already in. I joined the Marine Corps in 2000. So I'm in the Marine Corps at the time. 9-11 happens. We're not going to recap that day right now. It's terrible. But you know, eventually we ended up going to war in Afghanistan, where I did not go. But then Iraq came rolling around. And we got word we're deploying. Remember, I'm in the Marine Corps infantry, so obviously we know we're going to be front line. Maybe we're going. And we go over to Kuwait first because Kuwait's our friend. And we have a bunch of these gigantic little, they called them tent cities, but it was much more like a tent town. These huge tents set up out in various spots in the desert where Marine units would go. And while we were there, we would go do training. We'd go out and obviously do all the Marine Corps stuff you see in the movies, push-ups and runs and stuff like that. We'd go out and do shoots, making sure we're ready to rock and roll, write letters home because we're going into combat. You don't know if you're going to die, things like that. Eat crappy food, you know, all the Marine Corps stuff. But people ask all the time, uh, uh, were, you, were you scared? What was the mood like? And What was the mood like? Well, I'll tell you, every single person there, all my boys, it was on everybody's mind. Hey, I might go. I might go die. Uh, the most prevalent thing, not to get too. I guess I probably shouldn't be this frank with everybody. The most prevalent feeling was, I just don't want to die, like burned to death or something. I just don't want to die painfully, whatever. But but we were okay with that part of it. No one wanted to. We were okay with it. More than anything, we were excited. We were young Marines. We trained for this. We wanted to go fight for America. We thought we were doing what was right, and we thought we were fighting for America, baby. And I was happy to. I mean, honestly, still would. I'm happy to fight for America, happy to die for it. It's a place worth dying for. That was the mood. And we felt like, again, we were fighting for America. And then I'm going to screw up, I'm going to screw up the timeline here because I'll be honest, the, the dates and locations, it all just blends together when you go into combat. And, and it, it just, I don't know, I would guess this happened about a week or two into combat. Boom, George Bush declares war, we take off. Middle of the night, we hop on these Amtraks, basically a tank, really, that, that carries troops around. And we're cruising through the Kuwaiti desert, heading to the Iraqi border, and it's time to get it on, baby. And so we go and we fight our way through through you know, we'd fight our way through some stuff. And I would think I would say a week or two into the combat, we obviously all had American flags flying all the time, including on our Amtrak. Remember, an Amtrak's just a big tank looking thing that carries troops. We had big American flags on it. Again, proud to be there. Proud to be there for America. And then word came down. This is the most revealing moment of my entire life. Word came down. Everyone take down your American flags. And we said, I'm, I'm sorry, what? Take down the flag? Why would I take down the American flag? I'm a United States Marine here fighting for America. Why would I take down my flag? Well, look, I, we don't want to appear uh, like a conquering army. It, it, it wouldn't look good. Take down the flag. And I will never, I forget everything. I forget what I had for breakfast yesterday. I forget everything. But I will never Ever, ever forget that moment, standing beside my Amtrak, watching the American flag come down off of it by orders of a Republican administration in the United States of America. I will never forget that moment as long as I live. I'll be frank with you. I should probably pray about this. I will never forgive it. I, 
I held on to that. I will always hang on to that. What a revealing moment that was. I looked, I remember we were all looked around and thought, well, what, what exactly are we doing here? I can't fly the flag. And I mean, look, every, we were Marines. Every, what does every Marine know? That image you know from Mount Siribachi and Iwo Jima where they're raising the flag. It's all about the flag, man. It's about America. Take down your flags. We don't want to appear rude. Boy, was that a wake-up call. That was a wake-up call. But back to your question about running for president. Again, I'm completely unelectable, and I understand that. That's fine. Look, I've already run for Congress twice in Arizona and lost twice. I called Social Security a Ponzi scheme. It is. By dictionary definition, it is. You can't speak plain truths to people anymore. I can speak plain truths to you, but the people in general, the people in mass, you can't speak plain truths. You go out now and say the sky is blue. Half this country would be offended. This namby-pamby country is offended by everything. You're not. But I'm not, I'm not changing my words. That's why I'm so grateful for Premier to let me do a radio show where they let me say whatever I want. I'm not changing my words for anybody. I'll go do something else. I'll go back to selling RVs. We're going to talk to Daryl Cooper with the Martyr Made podcast, and we're going to talk to him next. Fascinating dude. And then as soon as I'm done with him on my life, I will take some phone calls tonight. 877-377-4373. Line them up. It is the Jesse Kelly show, and the fact that that music was so terrible can only mean one thing. It can only mean that Daryl Cooper, my guest, host of the Martyr Made podcast, declined to pick a song, so he got the worst one my producers could find in a short time. Daryl, I bet you won't make that mistake again. You guys don't want Katy Perry? (laughs) You know, I'll be frank. I liked hot Katy Perry, the new Katy Perry with the Beach Boys haircut. I don't know what happened there. Too much Hollywood. But no, no, not a fan anymore. (laughs) That is not a mistake I'll make again. (sighs) Daryl, what's wrong with America? Well, how much time you got? I got all the time. I, I I, I think if you really like want to get simple about it. The problem is that we can't trust any of our institutions anymore. And the, the people that, who, who have lost that faith are really the core group of people that you can't have that happen with. You can have a small group of people that are kind of hardcore revolutionaries in any society. They want to overturn the whole thing. In a certain way, you can even say that those people keep the rest of us honest a little bit. They make mm-hmm. us check our assumptions. But you don't want most people being revolutionaries. You don't want most people thinking that the entire system needs to be overturned. You start getting like that, where the salt of the earth people start thinking that way. you got real problems on your hands, and, and that's where we're at now. And I, I don't disagree with a single thing you said. Following down that rabbit hole, though, if we're at the place where the salt of the earth people do think that way, and they do. I mean, I, you can see it more than anything, at least I do, when I mention the FBI Even 10 years ago, probably sadly, but even 10 years ago, this was a revered institution. Almost everyone I know rolls their eyes when I bring them up now as if there's some kind of punchline. So if we're at the place where the salt of the earth people in the nation, the majority of them don't trust the institutions and they've become baby level revolutionaries, doesn't that end in revolution? Well, you would think so. One of the questions I ask myself pretty frequently nowadays is, 
what happens in this new situation we have now where you could think you could see a situation where maybe it would be possible for all of our institutions to have I don't know, 5% approval rating, pretty much only the people who are directly involved with them and their hangers on. Uh, and yet due to the regime's propaganda capabilities, its surveillance capabilities, and all of the ability that it has to break up attempts to organize against it and so forth, that you know maybe they can put that off a lot longer than it ever could have been put off in the past. And what does that really look like where you have a regime that has no credibility and no legitimacy with its people but those people really have very limited means to organize against it. That's a, that's a very interesting question. It is an interesting question. And actually, I can't believe that this just popped into my head as, as you were talking. But we're talking about this stuff. And what if there's an election in 2024? And I realize this is going to sound out there, but it's really not that far out there. What if there's an election in 2024? What if Joe Biden is still kicking around? And what if he does run again because their backup options suck and he beats somebody we think we're going to win with, like Ron DeSantis or maybe Trump runs again or whatever? The thinking on the right, the vast majority of the right already thinks the last election was flat out stolen. If they think a second one is, I don't know how that pans out. I don't either. And, you know, whether or not people in in many countries, people might just decide to give up and retire from politics. But this is America and we don't really operate that way. And if people get to the point where they feel like they don't have they don't any longer have any say in who's governing them or in how they're being governed, I don't I wouldn't expect Americans to simply retire from politics. Um, I wouldn't want to predict what might happen after that. I don't want to get a knock on the door from the FBI. But, um, you know, this is America. We don't put up with stuff like that. Again, speaking with Daryl Cooper, host of the Martyr Made podcast, how often do I recommend to you a podcast? I basically, I never do it. I'm telling you, I find most of them to be pretty much boring and people can't tell stories. Go listen to the Martyr Made podcast. You will enjoy it. Daryl, I know you're a history fan. I'm a history fan myself. I'm a freak about it, as I know you are. What's a historical event people should learn about that a lot of people do not? Oh, that a lot of people do not. I guess I would point um, everybody to one of my own podcast episodes. Mm-hmm. I know that's going to be shocking for everyone, but uh, episode 19 called The Anti-Humans is a history of the communist crimes in the post-Second uh, World War period, specifically focusing on what they were doing to take over and consolidate control over Eastern Europe. And I spent a good half hour, maybe 45 minutes toward the end, specifically on what they were doing in Romania from 1946 to about 1952, um, you know, where they were running an experiment there to see if they could break down the human soul at a very, very uh, deep and specific level like that by doing things that I can't talk about on the radio to people. But it's it's hard listening. A lot of people told me they had to take breaks, um, but it's something that everybody ought to know because there's a direct ideological lineage between the people in our country today uh, who were in charge and the people who were in our country back then who were running cover for and giving support to the regime that was carrying these things out. By the way, I'm sure one of the things, I actually haven't heard that episode, I can't believe I haven't heard that episode, but I'm positive one of the things he's referring to are, I can't say the word, the Potesti experiments where prisoners were, yeah, I can't, I'm not going to elaborate on any of that because I know there are kids listening. I would highly recommend go listen to that episode if you have a strong subject in all of them. Why does communism 
always end with so much mass death and misery when I do believe, now I, I hate communists, don't get me wrong, but I do believe human beings do want what's best, and it turns out horrific, really horrific. Why, Daryl? Well, when you have a grand theory of, of the world and history and how everything works, and you start, that's your starting and ending point, and you try to put that into practice and things don't go as you expected them to, uh, you got to come up with another reason why things aren't working out. I did a series on uh, Jim Jones and his People's Temple suicide cult, about 900 people who committed suicide in the Guyana jungle in 1978. And this was the radical revolutionary communist organization that thought they were going to go down and start a little utopia out in the jungles of uh, South America. These are a bunch of people from the inner cities of Oakland and San Francisco. They didn't know how to farm in Kansas, let alone in a place like the rainforest. And so they go down there and things aren't working out. They don't have enough food. People aren't healthy. Well, how is this happening? This is their utopia. This is, this is the socialist communist experiment par excellence. How could it possibly be failing? Well, it must be saboteurs. It must be wreckers. It must be internal traitors. And they started tearing themselves apart looking for the causes, the hidden causes of their failure. And that's something that you see again and again and again. Daryl Cooper, again, speak with Daryl Cooper of the Martyr Made podcast. Did I not tell you it would be a good listen? Daryl, just finally, I, we've only got a couple minutes here. I, we joke <laughs> about it a lot because it's funny, but it's still quite sad. We have a president of the United States that's legitimately not a functional adult. And I've asked the question on the show several times from a purely human standpoint, how can his relatives stand by and allow him to be humiliated in front of the world? I wouldn't let my dad be humiliated in front of one person before I got him home and got him in private. They'll display this man in front of the world. What kind of family is that? What's wrong with these people? Well, uh, think about what kind of family we're talking about. Um, you know, I think... Uh, what do we know about them? Five or five or so of them have uh, have been to rehab. There's accusations within the family of various kinds of sexual misconduct. You've obviously got Hunter Biden's whole sordid tale, including uh, having an affair with his, you know, with his with his dead brother's widow. Um, those those two apparently having, uh, you know, smoking crack together. This is a family with a lot of problems that have been on display in the public sphere for a long time. And so I think it would be a mistake, as it usually is with politicians, to assume that they feel any shame. Yeah, that's a fact. His name is Daryl Cooper. His the podcast is the Martyr Made Podcast. It is probably my favorite of a very select few. Cannot thank you enough, my brother. Please come back soon. That was outstanding. Anytime, Jesse. Thanks. Sharp dude. Did I not tell you, Chris? Sharp dude. I tell you, his stuff is really, 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 really good. Now. We are going to take some phone calls because I've been promising you to take some phone calls for days and I haven't really taken any. 877-377-4373. I want you to tell me someone who's not alive anymore who you think should be president of the United States of America and be prepared to tell me why. Or we can talk about anything else you want to, but first, you know that deal's still going on at my pillow. You see the original MyPillow, everyone knows greatest pillow ever. I had a MyPillow and so did my wife long before I started doing radio. I was selling RVs and I was sleeping on a MyPillow pillow. That thing is amazing. Now, I paid full price. It was $69.98. But right now, for my listeners, right now, it's 1998. 
The King Pillow, if you want one, is only 10 bucks more. You can go get one of those. And if I may make a suggestion, Christmas is right around the corner, and you can have an original MyPillow for $19.98. Get some of these for friends and family members. It's the perfect gift, and you should see how it comes packed. It's easy to ship, easy to wrap. Go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener specials. Use the promo code JESSE. MyPillow.com, radio listener specials, promo code JESSE. The Jesse Kelly Show. It's still real to me, damn it. Returns next. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Man, that was good. I, I like talking to smart people. That's why, that's why honestly... I love talking to smart people so much. That's why the wife catches me talking to myself all the time. What, Chris? Ha, <laughs> I'm finally going to take some calls, but listen, listen. You know the rules by now. No small talk. No, hi, Jesse. No, how are you? No, love the show. And that's not because I don't want to make small talk, although I don't want to make small talk. It's because we're not having a phone conversation. You're talking to the United States of America. No one wants to hear us do small talk. So just get right to your point. All right? Let's get after it. Chris in Bama. Go, Chris. How about it, Jesse? I got a question for you, brother. Uh, uh, I got a feeling. Back when I was a teenager, brother. It was, let's say, eight or ten years ago. It actually was probably about seven or six. But how do I, how do I show my youngins, my children? I got four boys and a daughter. Daughter's oldest. Uh, another story. But how do I show my boys firearm safety? All right, we got through it. We all got through it together. Hear me out. Hear me out. When it comes to firearm safety, I don't know that my way is going to work for everyone because, again, I'm not a good dad. I love my little buddies, and I want to hang out with them, and I want to prepare them for this world, but I don't have some, I don't have some instruction manual you don't have. Here's the approach I've taken with my boys, and it's worked out really well. I've taken them hunting a couple times by now, and they do really, really well with it. One, with kids, curiosity is a killer. It's, it's Look, adults are the same way, but kids are really, really bad. Why do you think they touch the stove when you say don't touch the stove? They want to know why. They want to know why. So here's what I always did with my kids when it comes to the weapons in the house. And I mean, from a young, young age, obviously within reason, not two or something like that, but from a young age, they knew any one of my weapons, doesn't matter which weapon it is, any one of my weapons you are allowed to touch it and handle it anytime you want. Just come ask me. The answer is never no. Never. I don't care what I'm in the middle of. You say, Dad, I, wanna, I want this pistol. Dad, I want this uh, rifle. Dad, I want that. The answer is yes. I will stop everything and immediately go. Make sure that weapon is unloaded and safe and hand that weapon to the child. Why? Well, there's no mystery to it anymore. There's no danger to it anymore. 
Yeah, yeah, my dad has one of those. I've, I've held it a million times. I don't see what the big deal is. I've taken all the spicy danger out. You know, like that's why you date redheads because you haven't done it before. You haven't been burned. What, Chris? It's, it's serious. No, seriously. Take away that. Now, here's the other part that's going to make people uncomfortable. And I understand this makes people uncomfortable, and this part may not work for you. A lot of people aren't this way. I am extremely detailed and explicit with my kids when I am discussing things that I believe may potentially save their lives. Uh, people will commonly tell their kids, uh, don't, uh, don't take candy from strangers. Uh, don't go up to that car. You know what I tell my kids? I tell him some guy's going to pull up to you in a car and he's going to hold up a puppy to the window so you go over and pet that puppy because you love puppies. You do love puppies, right? And they'll say, yeah, yeah, we love puppies. And I tell them if you do walk up to that car, he's going to grab you and he's going to tie you up and throw you in the trunk of, your car, of his car and he's going to drive you out to someplace and he's going to throw you in a dungeon and hurt you in ways you could not possibly imagine before he chops you up into little pieces. I understand what I just said is very harsh. Do you think I have my boy's attention when I say that, though? Do you think that got their attention a little bit more than stay away from strangers? Why would I stay away from strangers? I just told you why. When I have them handling firearms and they know never point a weapon at anything, you don't intend to shoot, so on and so forth. They know all the rules. I don't just tell them that. Oh, don't point your weapon at anyone. I tell them. I realize this is direct. I tell them. Do you love your brother? I want you to look at him right now. They'll look at him. Okay, you do? Good, good. Uh, do you want to clean his brains up off the floor after you just killed him? And you can see their eyes get as wide as saucers. But do you think I have that boy's attention now? Do you think now he understands the stakes if he does something wrong? And now when I let them handle weapons, we go hunting. They have fully loaded shotguns and things like that. The safety violations don't happen. Why? Because you burn those kind of images in the head of a child, they get it. You tell them don't do something, well, okay, but well, what happens if I do? You tell them exactly what will happen if they do something, now they get it. Now you've brought it home. Todd in the Woodlands. Go, boss. Roger that. Shogun, hey, uh... Cuomo won't get fired from CNN. Maxwell, Giselle Maxwell will not take will will take the fall for uh, her boss. So far, I agree with you on ninety nine percent of everything. And uh, yeah, your gun safety stuff is right on. Uh, you recommended Forty Thieves on Saipan. I read it, and that is an awesome read. And uh, uh, let's see, uh, Happy Hanukkah, Chris. And last thing, you said who would I vote for that's dead for president? Rush Limbaugh. How about that? <laughs> he would have been a great one, Rush Limbaugh. Oh, in case you're wondering what that book was, anytime I, I, I make a book recommendation, I realize I should probably repeat it because people want to go get it. Uh, there is something called the Marine Raiders they formed in World War II. It's Marine Special Forces, you know, the Marine version of Navy SEALs type things. And on Saipan, there was really vicious fighting. I'm not going into it, but... There was a group of Marine Raiders were called the 40 Thieves of Saipan, and they're behind enemy lines fighting the Japanese stuff. It's a really, really, really good book. Would highly recommend. All right. Don't forget, before I forget, I have Carol Roth on my TV show tonight breaking down a bunch of fancy financial stuff. I'll get to some more phone calls. We've got to talk about the Fed chairman, 877-377-4373. Hang on.
the Jesse Kelly Show, final hour of the Jesse Kelly Show. Again, I'll get back to your phone calls in just a second. Got this email. My 11-year-old son is obsessed with your show. He calls it the best bedtime story around and listens before bed. Indoctrinating children can go both ways, I guess. (laughs) I'm looking for some Jesse Kelly merchandise, like a hat or a shirt, so I can surprise him at Christmas. Do you have any Jesse Kelly logo gear? If so, where can I find it? Thank you. Uh, Chris, uh, we got to get something to this kid. I know we don't have anything. We'll find something. We got to get something to this kid. Right, let me explain why we don't have merchandise yet for for every because we get these we get these questions a lot. Why don't we have merchandise yet? I previously attempted to wade into this merchandise field. Because I know it's something people like, and I like it too. I think it's cool. I like wearing hats. I like wearing shirts with my face on it. <laughs> I like just being obnoxious. Like I enjoy it too. I realize it's an imperfect world, and I'm the least perfect person in it, especially when it comes to this. But made in America means more to me now than it ever has before. It means a lot to me. I, I don't just say that. It means a lot to me. And I will tell you, in the merchandise world, hats, shirts, stuff like that, coffee cups, it's hard to find. It's really, really hard to find stuff that's made in America. And if you can, because we're already already starting to work on it, because I know it's something people want. If you can find made in America, the prices are oftentimes really high. I mean, you'll see prices double what another T-shirt is. So now, if I'm, if, let's say, let's say there's a, a, a Jesse Kelly T-shirt. Okay, what what does a normal T-shirt cost? What, fifteen bucks, twenty bucks, something like that? What if what if I put out a Jesse Kelly T-shirt and it's forty dollars? Because I have to go find a Made in America one. Now I look like a ripoff artist, and I don't want that either. So it's it's a problem I'm working on. I'm aware people want merchandise. We're gonna get something to that freaking kid, Chris. I don't care what it is. If I have to send him a pen or something, I'm gonna get him something. We'll get something to that kid. Uh, I'm working on merchandise. I don't have anything yet. I don't have anything yet. All right. Big cities. I know many people are in the city listening to my voice. Many people are not. But rest assured, I don't care whether you're in a city, whether you love the city, a major civilized country with its cities descending like this is a big, big problem. The chaotic and increasingly dangerous crime sprees are now unfolding in more cities. San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, and Minneapolis. On some of the busiest shopping days of the year, flash mobs with upwards of 80 people armed with hammers and crowbars are smashing and grabbing their way through high-end retailers as terrified shoppers and employees are threatened with their lives. Setting aside that guy's voice at the end, which actually made me laugh, and I'm going to get back to your phone calls in a second. It's not a mystery why this is happening. What you're going to see going forward, Chris, write this down. What you're going to see going forward is as the crime problem in big cities continues to get worse and worse and worse, and it will. There is no reversing it as of right now. As the crime problem in big cities continues to get worse and worse and worse, you're going to see the American media basically be forced to cover it, but here's what they're going to do. It's going to be a lot of, man, I don't know what's happening. It's, it's almost inexplicable. We're searching for reasons. It's not complicated. All these big cities are now run by communists, communist mayors, communist city councils, communist DAs. 
They believe in torching their own cities because that's what communists do. They believe in torching their own cities. So they demonize the police, even though they know the problem, the cops aren't the problem in these neighborhoods. They demonize the police. The good cops have retired or they're leaving to go be cops somewhere else or go do something else. So now you're going to have police forces full of lickspittle cops or idiot cops or bad cops as the good ones take their talents elsewhere because talented people have options as always. At the same time, they're turning loose violent criminals on purpose. On purpose, they're turning loose violent criminals. A fellow by the name of uh, Augustin Garcia, homeless guy, got within 36 hours, who was stopped by the police, arrested three times, and he said, you know what, I don't have a record, I'm going to walk. And you know what, he was right. Yeah, he was, he was boasting that he was not going to get any bail because he knows what the laws are here. Look at this. On November 21st, he steals cans of, of Coors Light from a bodega up in the Bronx. He's released a few hours later, back in handcuffs soon, though. November 22nd, he goes to Canal Street. He holds up a knife, allegedly, and, t- and steals a backpack from one of the ladies selling down there. Well, see, the key is he had a knife. Come on, right. he had, he had a, a weapon. Knife. And that's when he told the cops, I know I'm getting out. And then on November 23rd, the cops say that he stole an iPhone from a strap hanger at a subway station. These people are not out on the streets by accident. These people are out on the streets on purpose, and it only gets worse from here until there is a major, major change. And I'm worried what it will take for that major change. America's cities are quickly becoming uninhabitable, and that sucks. Uh, I love the city. I love the country, too. Remember, I grew up in Ohio, Montana. I love love both. I I can enjoy the city and the country equally. I love being in the mountains, rifle in my hand, deer hunting. I love being in New York and the craziness and the horns and the loud and the food. and I I love it all. I don't like America's cities uh, descending into uninhabitable hellholes, but they are. All right. I'm going to give you another chance. You guys have been killer on the phone so far. No small talk, right to the point. Mary in St. Louis, go. Kelly, love your show. Um, I should say Jesse. Love your show. I listen every night. I sent you an email about Wayne Allen Root and his whatever he's putting out. He claims that all of his, all of his predictions have come true. Now he's predicting 25th Amendment um, to get rid of Kamala. And uh, Joe Biden's going to probably resign. And in be- coming um, behind them, too, those two, is um, uh, Hillary Clinton and um, Michelle Obama as vice president. Please tell me that cannot happen. None of that's going to happen, Mary. Don't worry. Not, not a single thing. Not, not, not a single thing of that's going to happen. None of it. None of it. Listen, the Democratic Party can't afford for that to happen. Here's what the Democratic Party faces right now. Here's what they face right now. You have a an ancient human being. I mean, listen to this person. This person is the president of the United States of America, and this isn't even his worst cut. This is from today. All right. Here we go. Men title. Well, I'm not going to read it all. I'll just sign it. All right. <laughs> Okay, so that that guy's not going to be president long term. But communists don't sit around and say to themselves, well, let's just give power back. He's too old. Kamala was supposed to be the heir apparent. She was Obama's girl. Remember, Obama's people pushed her really, really hard. 
They now know Kamala Harris is not electable. She's just detestable and unlikable in every way, which means they're going to look to butt gig. You're going to see a huge push for Pete butt gig. You will. You will. I have said, this is a theory of mine. I've said I do not think he can get elected in a general election because of black people. Poll after poll after poll in this country shows black people do not appreciate the gay thing. Pete Buttigieg is very, very gay. Very gay. I don't think he'll get enough support in the general election. I don't. So they're going to be left twisting in the wind. But never, ever, ever listen to somebody who tells you there's some grand scheme where they're going to, the 25th Amendment, that stuff, no. It, it plays great on the internet. It never works out that way. Kevin in New York, go boss. Hey, how you doing? Um, I just want to say that the media is the worst out, uh, uh, thing to our country. Uh, if you look at the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, case, before he went into trial, they all accused him of being guilty, being a white supremacist, being a racist. Uh, meanwhile, the people he shot were all white. Not one person was black. Um, and then if you compare it, so they were chastising him. And then if you compare this guy who ran over uh, white people in the uh, parade. I want I, Look, my sympathies are out there. You got to take your face off the phone. You got to take the face off the phone because I do this all the time. What happens is I have these rugged, manly cheeks, Chris. What? And then when I'm talking on the phone... I'll sometimes end up fat fingering the, or, or fat cheeking, I should say, the button. Maybe, I, look, maybe I should get surgery done so I don't look so rugged and handsome. What, Chris? What is your problem? 877 <laughs> I'll take some more calls, but we got to talk about butt gig, too. He, uh, he has a sound bite floating around out there, and it is a doozy. It puts a big, fat smile on my face. We'll play you that in a second, but first... I'm going to take someone's call and wants to know about kids. What do we show kids? How do we teach kids? What are we going to do about kids? Listen, the Tuttle Twins books are not only entertaining. They teach your kids the values you want them to learn. You want your kids to be able to identify socialism, communism, talk about why it's bad. They'll learn that in an entertaining way in the Tuttle Twins books. You want them to learn about entrepreneurship. Free markets, any of that stuff, they'll learn it in the Tuttle Twins books. And it doesn't matter whether they're toddlers, in the middle, whether they're teenagers. Go get these Tuttle Twins books. And when you go to TuttleTwinsJesse.com, it's not just that you get 35% off. You get activity workbooks. These activity workbooks are really, really good to do with your kids. With your kids. Buy these things. You're going to be an equipped, freedom-loving family before you know it. TuttleTwinsJesse.com. Get you 35% off. Enjoy. I've got an animal inside of me. This is Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. It is The Jesse Kelly Show. And I tell you, I'll get back to, I'll get back to your emails in a second and your phone calls. But it, it does... It, it's a little disheartening, but at the same time funny because what else can we do but laugh about it? How completely incapable the people are who run this country, the people in charge. Pete Buttigieg, remember, he's the transportation secretary. He went from being a mayor in Indiana to running in an election and not getting any traction. Now he's the transportation secretary. 
And he goes on television and he says things like this. Uh, obviously, most of the physical infrastructure work uh, was contemplated in the bill that was just signed, but there is more envisioned in the Build Back Better law. I'll give you one example. It contains incentives to make it more affordable to buy an electric vehicle, up to a $12,500 discount, in effect, for families thinking about getting an EV. Uh, families that once they own that electric vehicle will never have to worry about gas prices again. The people who stand to benefit most from owning an EV are often rural residents uh, who have the longest distances to drive. They, they burn the most gas. And underserved urban residents in areas where uh, there are uh, high gas prices and they're lower income. So they would gain the most by having that vehicle. Uh, there's so much dumb in there. So let's just let's take a minute and let's unpack all the dumb from Butt Gig. One, Rural residents. This this will really benefit people in rural America. You're about to see because the communists are always looking for a new group to add to their voting block, and they know they've completely lost rural America. You're about to see a lot of more, quote, rural outreach like this. But let's just clear something up. And I'm not actually against electric vehicles. One of my buddies has a Tesla, and that thing's really freaking cool. That thing's sweet, and it's fast, too. So I'm not, I'm not against Go get one if you get one. I'm against any mar- any government incentives for them you want to you want to make them make them with the market dictates but anyway my buddy who does have one he has to stop every 250 miles and charge his car and he has to get a charging station appropriate for his car so he must map out his trip in this way and and this is the kicker and if he gets right up to the charging station, and that has never, he said it's never happened to him yet. There's always a line. But if he gets right up to the charging station and beep, plugs that thing in, see, Chris, I do my own sound effects. What? That's the plug-in set. Beep. See, that's what it sounds like when you plug it in. Beep. He plugs it in 30 minutes. It takes him 30 minutes. Now, I understand that I lack patience. I, I get that. I fully admit that here. I, I do lack patience. You're asking me to stop every three hours on a road trip for 30 minutes. I don't think I don't think my blood pressure could take that. I think I would just fall over dead of cardiac arrest. I would just be sitting there and that vein in the side of my head would just be bulging the entire time. So let's set aside the rural residence thing and let's just go back to the whole gas prices thing. Rural, you if you buy an electric car, you never have to worry about gas prices again. Uh. Do people really not realize how much of the things you buy are made with oil? With some with some derivative of oil? If gas prices go up, everything goes up. Every single thing. But look, Democrats are going to continue to do what they always do. They do it very well. Republicans never even attempt to do it. But this is what Democrats do when they get elected. Democrats get elected and they promptly sit down and decide they're going to dedicate every waking moment to doing one of two things. One, punish and attack their enemies. They believe in that all the way. They they never stop. They're always out to get you. Two, rewarding their friends. The uh, Build Back Better disaster was just, when you dig into it, it was just a gigantic giveaway to unions and green companies and virtually every constituency of the Democratic Party. They got a big old fat pile of your money. That's what Democrats do. Republicans, on the other hand, 
They promptly get elected and spend all of their time apologizing for their friends to their enemies. Oh, sorry about those crazy people worried about the election integrity. They're so nuts. Can you believe these guys? (laughs) Gosh. Ed in Hawaii. Go, boss. Hey, Jesse. Got a question for you regarding all this uh, vaccination that Rand Paul is questioning Dr. Fauci about gain of function and all that. It's getting mixed up. To me, the most important thing is this hospital treatment that the CDC protocol calls for. It calls for the treatment of remdesivir vexlory. And it's strange that a generic can become a brand name for the CDC treatment. That's number one. Number two, how the CDC gets its funding money and Dr. Fauci gets his power. It's that the CDC has... Chad in Vermont, go ahead. Hey, this is just a COVID question. So over the weekend, we got an email from my son's school. He's six years old. They closed the school this week because they had a COVID outbreak, and the school's ages are from uh, five to nine years old. We know it doesn't affect the age group. Now, I think this is just for the vaccination push for that age group, and Vermont's already crazy. Our Republican governor is just standing by allowing this to happen. Why? I just need your help and guidance for this. Here's why Republicans don't do anything. Remember, it's not a brains problem. Republicans aren't any smarter than Democrats. Democrats aren't any smarter than Republicans. Most people, myself very much included, are just average. They're just average intelligence. I'm an average intelligence person. Chris is a little below average. That's fine. We, we get by. What, Chris? It's fine. That's not a very – put that finger down. It's not nice. But most people are just average. The reason Republicans don't do the things they should do to protect their constituents is not a brain problem. It's a balls problem. That's the problem because the truth is human nature being what it is, most people, the vast majority of people, probably you, they really, really hate being yelled at and criticized. It bothers them. And when you have the entire media controlled by the communists, that means they hound Republicans into being, quote, good Republicans all the time. Why? Honestly, it sounds small, but it's everything for these people because they just want to get from their car to the office without getting called a Nazi or, or a fascist or anything else. And they'll do whatever they have to do just to live a peaceful day where the media doesn't say anything bad about them. It means we all need to make an adjustment, though. I'm going to explain exactly what that adjustment is This because this probably applies to you. It applies to me. Hang on. I'll explain. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. Remember, if you missed any part of the show, you can catch the whole thing on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. On iTunes, leave a five-star rating in a review talking about how handsome I am. Don't shake your head, Chris. It's important for the show. We have to make an adjustment. The guy asked, okay, once again, Republican governor, he's not standing up for us. Why? Why do Republicans constantly do this? Because Republicans want to avoid bad press. 
It bothers them. It bothers them. And, and look, we need a complete mindset adjustment on the right. And this is what I mean. We can never, ever, 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 ever find ourselves trying to avoid bad press. You have to actively seek bad press. You have to learn to enjoy the struggle. Learn to love it. Now, that's easy for me to say because I'm a sociopath. I genuinely love it. I mean, even the death threats make me laugh. Like I enjoy, I hate communists and communism so much. Whenever I make them miserable and angry, I know I'm doing something right. I love it. I love it. But we have to, that's, that's an easy thing for me to say. We have to wade into that. And we don't have enough Republicans that way. I'll tell you, though, I don't fall in love with politicians. Not Trump, not anyone, neither should you. You don't ever put on someone's pajamas because everyone's just a man. Everyone's just a man. So I don't wave anybody's pom-poms. But daggone, the more Heavy D talks, the more he at least sounds like a man who understands what time it is. Is that how it works? The SUVs, they just drive by themselves? This just kind of happened? And they say, oh, this was a big accident. Uh, You never actually hear the discussion about who committed this. Uh, What was the motivation? Uh, This guy was a career criminal, let out on, didn't really have any bail, basically. Should not have even been on the street. Uh, Had clear anti-white animus. uh, And this was an intentional act. And it seems like, you know, for corporate press, they're more apt to, to characterize a parent who goes to a school board meeting to protest bad policies as a domestic terrorist than somebody who intentionally rams an SUV into a crowd of innocent people. And if it doesn't fit your narrative, sweeping the facts under the rug is not doing the service uh, that that people uh, deserve. It is what we expect, unfortunately, from a lot of these places. So let's just be clear. They are not wanting to cover this Wisconsin thing for what it is. They are not wanting the facts uh, to come out the way they are because the facts do not support their narrative. And it's all about pursuing partisan narratives. Name me another Republican in the United States of America who would have the guts to say anti-white animus. And everyone has eyes. Everyone has eyes. Everyone can see that's what's happening out there. The system has decided some for some reason white people are the enemy, which is just despicable. Trying to divide us up by race that way. But it's already happening. But he had the guts to say it. He had the guts to say it. That's the kind of thing we need. We must make an adjustment and learn to wade into them yelling at us. Don't try to avoid bad press. Go out every day and seek it. Go out every day and make it your mission in life for them to write some nasty hit piece on you. I remember when I was running for Congress back in Arizona, the New York Times sent a reporter out because my race was starting to get pretty hot, mainly because I was in it. (laughs) Quit, Chris. Anyway, my race was starting to get pretty hot. And the New York Times sent out some reporter. You can imagine what kind of reporter came from the New York Times. And he was supposed to follow me around all day. And normally when Republicans, this happens to them, they'll spend the whole day with the reporter trying to be one of the good, reasonable Republicans. I mean, I'm not one of these wing nuts. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm pro-life, but I'm not that pro-life. I mean, I want some tax cuts, but mostly just for poor people, you know, trying to be one of the doing the good Republican thing. I'm I'm or saying I love this Republican line. This is one of my favorites. I'm kind of a squish on immigration. Yeah, you're a loser who doesn't care about your country's sovereignty. I went the complete opposite way. 
I used to do this with reporters all the time. I spent the entire day making sure I came across like the most bloodthirsty animal right wing right winger in the history of mankind. Worked like a charm. He wrote some nasty piece up on me. There's a huge uh, paper in Arizona called the Arizona Republic. It's like the biggest newspaper in the state. And when I was in the middle of a nasty primary, nasty primary, remember they put in the establishment, put in some big state senator against me. And I was running against him. And the Arizona Republic, this huge newspaper, they had interviews, candidate interviews. Remember, they're all communists. It's a newspaper. They have candidate interviews, and they'd bring in all the Republican candidates, and they would sit them all down and interview them, and then they would decide which Republican they were going to endorse for the race. Well, virtually every Republican went in there and tried to, again, be the good, reasonable Republican. I'm above it all. We went in there. We talked about it beforehand. We went in there with the plan. Let's make sure not only do we not get the endorsement, Let's make sure they're doing print-ups on why this guy is insane. He's totally crazy to the right. That You'd be nuts to elect this guy. We did it, and you should have seen. It was one of the most, it's some of the most fun I've ever had in my life. You should have seen the looks on their faces when I would give them answers to their questions that I knew would horrify them. And I could see as I'm giving the answer that the communists are sitting across from me, and they're getting more and more horrified, only that doesn't back me off. All that's doing is encouraging me. So I just continue to go down and go down and go down. At one point, I'll never forget it. <laughs> one of the editors was a woman. And at one point, I'm in the middle of an answer, and she just puts her head down on the desk. <laughs> like, who is this psychopath? And it worked like a charm. They did this huge print-up on this. Play. Who is, he's so far to the right. Yeah. We handed those papers out at all of my meetings. Look. Guess who, guess who the most conservative candidate is? The guy who didn't go up and try to powder the butt of the Arizona Republic. That's the mentality we have to have. These are different times now. You can't, you can't go for your buddy at the New York Times. Hey, could you do a nice print up on me? Screw the New York Times. Can you do a nasty one on me? That's what I'd ask him. Can you blast me? Tell everyone I'm a nut job. Good. Works for me. Because... If you hate me, that tells me I'm doing something right. That's the mentality we have to have. Luis in Denver. Go, boss. Hey, Jesse, great hearing from you. I just want to say that um, my family uh, escaped Cuba, and um, and my family had a lot of involvement with the anti-communist uh, program. Oh, yeah. And, you know. And I'm a fellow Marine. Um, I'm older than you and better looking, so please don't hang <laughs> on. <me>. Touche. <Yeah. laughs> but, um, but no, look, unfortunately, I really believe that our country is, is slouching towards what I call a soft communism through the administrative state. And unfortunately, look, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the FBI which is, I, I call them, the, they're the new Praetorian Guards and uh, on selecting emperors in, in our republic. And they're going to start indicting people, you know, like they've done before, like what they did with uh, the Alaska senator, remember? Mm, I uh, do. Stevens, how they got rid of him. You know, th- that's, that's the playbook. Well, of course, they did it first with Nixon. But that's the playbook that they're going by. And, and... Okay, so all right, I know we're going to say, Jesse, all right, Luis, you, you've stated the problem. How do we get out of this? I, I mean, really, we, we have to get down to such the basic level. I mean, we we got to get rid of things like um, 
so much of the administrative state, the IRS, the FBI, and start new. And one of the things that I tell people, because I'm a real finance guy, I went and, you know, I was a mechanical engineer. Don't hold it against me. I got my MBA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I ran out of time, brother. We're up against the break. That was an outstanding phone call in Semper Fi to you. Look, he's not wrong. We must purge the administrative state. And look, I've got, I've got something for Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump or whoever's going to run to be or the next nominee. And I'll elaborate on that before I get to headlines I didn't get to next. Oh, and don't forget, Mayorkas, the DHS Secretary Mayorkas, he, of course, said something else completely insane about our border. I talk about that tonight on my TV show on The First TV. Just go download The First TV app. But first, one of the most valuable things in the world you'll find, especially if you're running a small business, is time. Your time is worth so much. That 20, 30-minute round trip you have to make to the post office, that's a critical 20 or 30 minutes. That may not mean anything to some hippie in his dorm room somewhere. It means a lot to you. When I tell people about stamps.com, understand I know this from experience. One, it's cake. They let me compare rates, print labels. I can do anything I want from UPS or USPS, no matter what. Um, if you sign up with the promo code JESSE, if you go to stamps.com and sign up with the promo code JESSE, you actually get an offer right now that includes a four-week free trial of it and free postage and a digital scale, and they don't sign you up for some long-term commitment. Go to stamps.com, use the promo code JESSE. When you can do it all from your home, it will change your life. Save money. Your money is time. Stamps.com, promo code JESSE. I've got an animal inside of me. This is Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, final segment of the Jesse Kelly Show, but we'll be back tomorrow. And wait till I tell you what we're going to do on tomorrow's show. Oh, I don't know, Chris. You're just supposed to say that. I don't have any plans. What? I don't have any special plans. You're supposed to say that so people come back tomorrow. Gosh, Chris, it doesn't matter if you ever actually have something planned. You're so stupid. Anyway, anyway, what I was saying about Trump and DeSantis or whoever the next Republican nominee is going to be. If your next preferred Republican candidate doesn't promise to do everything in their power to clean out the administrative state in this country, like Luis was just talking about, then that Republican candidate should not be president of the United States of America. It is not a small deal that the Federal Bureau of Investigation is now entirely run by leftists who have their sights aimed at you. That is the kind of thing. That's how genocides start. It is. When you have the police state, when you have the enforcement arm of the state completely in the hands of one political party and they begin to seek out the people who are the enemies, perceived enemies of that political party, that is the start of something really, really dark. The next president, with all due respect, and I'm not making fun of Trump here, has got to go well beyond drain the swamp. No, 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 no. That doesn't work anymore. You tell me, how are you going to dismantle an administrative state that is now occupied by 95% 
activist Democrats using the power of government to attack Republicans. What are you going to do about that? And I don't care who your favorite candidate is. They better answer that question, Ron DeSantis included. All right, now, one more thing. The Federal Reserve Chairman, uh, not exactly giving you a bright and sunny outlook on the inflation thing. Looks to me like this framework appears to be a weakening of the Fed's commitment to stable prices. Now, I know you believe this is transitory, but everything's transitory. Life is transitory. How long does inflation have to run above your target before the Fed decides maybe it's not so transitory? Well, um, um, the word transitory has different meanings to different people. To, to many, it carries a time, a sense of, uh, of short-lived we we tend to to to, to ha- use it to mean that it, that it won't leave a permanent mark. Okay, I'm already bored. I'm already bored. These nerds when they get together, I want you to know that these overeducated nerds when they get together, they talk over your head like this on purpose. Well, I mean, it's supposed to be transitory. How long's inflation going to last, and how bad is it going to get? Answer a simple question. But there's a reason they won't, because they can't. Because the answer to that question is really bad. The federal government has not slowed down one iota on blowing money. They better slow down or inflation doesn't stop. Or, look, there's another solution. High interest rates. You ready for that? Hope you got that home loan in order because you might not be getting another one under 17%. Don't, Don't think that's outlandish either. Those were Jimmy Carter home loan rates. If we see interest rates like that in this country, if we take away the ability of the average American, the normal American, to borrow money, yikes. Really, really bad. All right. And now... Here's a headline. By the, go, you know the, you know the thing. Headlines we didn't get to. German parliament to vote on compulsory vaccination of the general population this year, says designated Chancellor Schultz and blames the unvaccinated for the current waves of infections. I mean, it's just Germany. What's the worst that could happen? World's first living robots can now reproduce, scientists say. Are we sure we want to go down this road? I don't know. Look, I personally have seen both Terminators. No, I don't acknowledge any of the ones that came after that. I've seen Terminator 1 and Terminator 2, and I know how this works. Arnold is too old to fight these things off. Twitter's new rule lets it selectively ban memes and mockery of Democrats. Look. As I've mentioned before, and I'm not trying to scare anyone this time, but I am keeping my eye on it. The Democrat Party in this country understands it's in deep, deep trouble going into 2022 and probably can't do much to fix that. They may try to mitigate it a little. They can't do much to fix it, but they understand they're in deep trouble for 2024 too. The current guy ain't going to make it, and the two backup plans, I mean, literally, they both suck. They're just terrible. Terrible. So what's the plan? Well, the communist doesn't look around and just says to himself, oh, you know what? It's not going to work out. Oh, well. They're going to have a plan. They're going to cinch down more control of the avenues of communication. They're going to potentially cause chaos. They have a plan, and it ain't going backwards. Headline, Wikipedia considering removing entries on mass killings under communism due to, quote, bias. 
Merriam-Webster even gets in on this. Their number one word for 2021 was vaccine. Understand, there is nothing the communist will not infect and infest with his ideology. That's what makes finding the truth so much more difficult these days. You would think with all these avenues, I can get, I, there's, you know, there's a new podcast, there's a new video, there's, a new, there's something new everywhere. There's a thousand things out there. You have a trillion options. Yet the truth is so hard to come by because you have to sift through so much censorship in order to get to it. I mean, the stuff they censor off YouTube. Remember when YouTube banned the phrase, let's go, Brandon? That is a unique level of commitment to censorship. Oh, did I mention YouTube is owned by Google? Uh-oh. Headline, Democrat senator warns Supreme Court of, quote, revolution if Roe versus Wade is overturned. You see... The American communist is no different than communists have always been. There's always a revolution out there. There's always a new threat of violence if you don't do what I want. Bring it, communists. All right. We'll be back tomorrow to do what? I have no idea, but it's going to be a blast. That's all.